St. Dominic's Catholic Church in San Francisco presents a homily by Father Vincent Kelber on August 25th, 2019, the 21st Sunday in Ordinary Time. Today's Gospel is taken from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 13, verses 22 to 30, proclaimed by Deacon Charles McNeil. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Jesus passed through towns and villages teaching as he went and making his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few people be saved? He answered them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I tell you, will attempt to enter, but will not be strong enough. After the master of the house has arisen, and lock the door, then will you stand outside knocking and saying, Lord, open the door for us. And he will say to you in reply, I do not know where you are from. And you will say, well, we ate and drank in your company, and you taught in our streets. Then he will say to you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, you evildoers. And there will be wailing and grinding of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourself cast out. And people will come from the east and the west and from the north and the south and will recline at table in the kingdom of God. For behold, some are last will be first, and some are first who will be last. all these papers in my pocket. <laughs> all right. From the moment all discipline seemed painful rather than pleasant, rather it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Or as the translation we heard today from the letter of the Hebrews, it simply says all discipline seems a pain rather than a joy. And so it's there where we begin a reflection on this particular day in the context of this Trudum of St. Monica. Uh, this Trudum will conclude then our month of St. Dominic. Uh, so, you know, as you might know, the St. Jude Shrine and St. Dominic's Church host novenas throughout the year. And this one is a shorter, just three days of prayer in honor, especially of St. Dominic. But this letter for the Sunday from our letter to the Hebrews speaks then, I think, a bit about our own lives and that of St. Monica. 
I want to look at that one word, the joy, to return to that word where we began this month. Father Michael had spoken about the joy in the life of St. Dominic, on the feast of St. Dominic, and how that pervades the spirituality of the whole order throughout history, really. It was a big lesson I should point out before continuing. There's four men here in the back. Those are our postulants. Just on Thursday, God willing, they'll receive the habit of the order and become novices. And I'll be teaching the spirituality class for you this year. So this is a good introduction to that. Father Michael talked about the joy of St. Dominic. And he gave examples of that joy. As he was speaking a few weeks ago, I had thought about one story in particular that I always liked. And that was part of the life of Blessed Reginald of Orleans who towards his death was concerned, not because he was a terrible person, but because his life was full of joy, the joy in the order, the joy of serving the church, of living with the brethren, of prayer, and of finding God, and bringing others into that same fold. It was that joy in Blessed Reginald. That's a wonderful thing to see in this life. Joy is a mark of the Dominican order. Joy is a particular uh, a uh, gift to the church, a gift of the Holy Spirit. Father Michael had summarized the teaching of St. Thomas Aquinas on joy, saying that joy is the effect of the encounter with love. And we open our hearts to that encounter, we experience joy, whether it's the encounter with Christ, the encounter with others. And he went on to use the example of how our sins and faults can keep us from that encounter, and the example he used was complaining. We remember that, that particular example. But when we put aside such vices, we open our hearts to joy and encounter others and encounter God. Now, we don't always experience that joy. We're told to. We're told to. We're joyful people. We are told to uh, um, be joyful on holidays other occasions. Even then, the music that we have here is a sort of lesson in joy. But, to be honest, not all of our hearts are always there. Maybe there's something going on in our life. Maybe we're not in the mood. Maybe there's more burdens to be carried. We're told to be joyful at a funeral. Sometimes we're not ready for joy. Sometimes we just need to mourn. And you know what? That's all okay. We have to recognize that in our hearts and the hearts of others. Sometimes we're not there. And sometimes it's our own fault, like when Father Mike was talking about complaining. Sometimes it's our own sins, our vices, our stubbornness that keep us from encountering uh, God and others. But often, it's not. It's not necessarily our fault. Maybe we have wounded or troubled hearts. Maybe we have anxiety in our lives. Maybe we're having a difficult time at work. Maybe we bear psychological harms that struck us in youth. Maybe we carry difficult burdens. Maybe we have a pain caused by the loss of a loved one or by death. Sometimes, like in the life of St. Monica, being misunderstood, especially today, I think for us, misunderstood or rejected because of our faith, even proclaiming what we are. Sometimes we can be rejected by our friends, our family, become a kind of focus for all that's wrong in the world. Or in the life of St. Monica, we might mourn because our children, our grandparents, even our spouse, doesn't, isn't open to the gospel message of the Lord. These things 
are not necessarily our fault, and yet they weigh on us heavily. And we begin to ask questions, and it can be for so many of us a crisis of faith, a crisis where we say, well, where is God in all of this? Or really, what am I supposed to do? Do I really have to live a kind of moral life? Or maybe I struggle with morality. I don't want to, I don't want to struggle. I just don't want to worry about it. I don't want to follow this teaching. It causes a kind of despair. Or when others don't understand us, or when we go you know, among our friends and family and say, oh, you're the Catholic one. Oh, yes, you, you believe all that. You're judging us by the way you live your life. It can be discouraging, depressing. It challenges our faith in a way we don't want it challenged. This letter to the Hebrews gives a lesson for us in that way of working out then how we should follow God. But first, let's look at St. Monica for a second. St. Monica experienced all these things we experience today. She, in her own life, she, didn't, she has the most miserable life of the saints. Some had, had, had come from slavery into then uh, um, salvation. Some had come from very difficult places. St. Monica, though, bears some of the burdens many of us do. And what was her story? Many of us know that she's the mother of St. Augustine. St. Augustine, if you didn't know that St. Augustine Dominicans are the Paschans are our sisters here. I don't know what the sisters do. But we, all, we, the friars, at least, follow the rules of St. Augustine in addition to our constitutions. So we follow very much his way of spirituality as well as that of St. Dominic. And so the mother of St. Augustine is special for us, too, in this sense. Now, St. Monica was married at a young age to a Roman official. And he had all of the vices typical among the Roman Empire that St. Paul complains about and St. Augustine will complain about so many centuries later. He was an angry man. He was prone to a violent temper. Uh, the story suggests he was probably unfaithful. He had other vices not mentioned. And his mother wasn't that dissimilar, the story says. So there's St. Monica, typical among, among, uh, uh, among many of us, not only difficulty with a spouse, but then difficulty with the in-laws. She has three children, which the story says, we ought to read it closely, that survived to adulthood, which implies loss and miscarriage or in infancy. She struggled then to live her faith. Her mother-in-law and her husband kind of ridiculed her for what she did, giving alms and praying and living this life. Why? What's the point? Why would we do this? And of course, that, she, that causes a misunderstanding and a hurt in her. One time, the young Augustine had fallen ill, and though she had begged the, the children to be baptized, they were not, because her husband insisted they not be. And this time, though, she said, he's going to die, can we get him baptized? Well, Augustine got better, and he revoked his promise. So all of these things we see in the lives of St. Monica, not to mention then that life then of her weeping, especially for her son Augustine, for his own conversion. He had found a faith later, but it wasn't Christianity exactly. It was a kind of Manichaeanism, a kind of understanding, a strange understanding of, of God and of, of evil. And he accepted that for a while. And, and St. Monica then, in her prayer, poured out so many tears for, for them. Now what does St. Monica do in all of this? Many in the same situation 
And probably maybe St. Monarch at some point herself are tempted to despair, to give up, to be depressed and sad. And that's true, but what is the response of St. Monica? She does something different. Born by her faith, she opens her heart, again, to an encounter with love, an encounter with God through prayer, to seeking then God's help for, for her husband, her mother-in-law, her children. And she is the best person she could possibly be to them. She's loving towards them, patient, compassionate. She seeks their good. She lives a life, then, imitation of Christ for them. So in the letter to Hebrews, we have this concept that it's a pain until we find the joy in Christ. We would ask, you know, why do we have to do this? This isn't the only passage like this, is it? St. Paul has that example of running the race, that we work hard and run a race so that we win the prize, which is eternal life. Or in the Old Testament, where we have the concept of being tried and tested like metal. And what it means there is to be melted down, and the impurities are, uh, go off the top and the bottom, and the pure metal is made. These are hard processes. These are difficult. You go, well, why does this have to be this way? Why can't we just enjoy the good things of Christ in our life? Now, the Lord says to us, I have not called you slaves, but I have called you friends. And for this, this is a consolation. Though sometimes the Lord can be a difficult friend. Why is that? We want him to be our friend. We want him to give us the good things that he opens up for us in his cross and resurrection. We can think of an earthly friend. What is a friend? A friend is someone we laugh with and share our life with. Someone we maybe go out to eat with, take a walk with. Have those celebrations. Do those great things that make a friendship so, the great memories of a friendship. But is that all there is to being a friend? No. No, a friend, a real friend, is also there when you're sick, when, you, when you're wrong, when you're annoying, when you need help, when you have nowhere else to go, when you need God's help or you need forgiveness. That's a real friend. And the Lord is that kind of friend to us. One who rejoices in our happiness, desires us to be happy, and yet mourns for us when we are lost, is patient with us when we're wrong. That's the friendship of Christ. Now what about you and me? Are we a friend of Christ? Because so often all we want are those good things. The Lord, in some mysterious and mystical reason, wants you and me as his friend. And as a friend, he shares not only the happy and wonderful things, but also the difficulties of his cross and his passion. And he wants us to share that with us in our life. He asks us to walk with him there. As he walks with us in our passion and cross, so we walk with him in his passion and cross. It's what it means to be a friend of Christ. And St. Monica recognizes this. And yes, sometimes she needs encouragement to continue in prayer despite her tears, but she does. She has faith in God, and she works to encounter Christ, opening her heart to him, 
and praying that the hearts of her husband, mother-in-law, and children open their hearts as, as well. And she becomes an icon in their life for the mercy, the love, and the compassion of God. We can see this, model this in our own life. Now, she had a fortunate story in the sense that they did convert. They did become Christian Catholics. They did. When we pray, we don't always see the fruits. We think of the great saints who prayed St. Catherine of Siena, St. Therese, who prayed for those who really needed prayers, and sometimes there's only a sign at the end of life. So often, we'll only know the fruit of our prayers in eternal life at the last judgment, when all things bad but also good are revealed. So, but we have to trust in God there, but know that our prayers and our works of love are efficacious. So St. Monica witnesses this great joy in her life of seeing her whole family become that baptized Catholic Christian. So we take then again her as that model of hope, that model of joy in the midst of affliction. Now, again, this is only a short days of prayer, three days, a triduum, on Monday and Tuesday. We'll, Tuesday is the Feast of St. Monica. Monday and Tuesday will be special Masses in honor of St. Monica. Uh, at the end of those Masses and preaching, there'll be blessing of the relics of St. Jude and St. Monica, just as there will be today at the end of this Mass, right here. St. Jude right here in the middle. Whoever has St. Monica will probably wander about over here somewhere. Monday and Tuesday morning, the homily, as we do during the novenas, is after the Mass. Monday and Tuesday evening, the homily is during the Mass. We are posting on the St. Jude website and our social media these reflections. St. Monica, certainly the point reflected on, but in the context of Dominican spirituality, so wrapping in especially the prayer, of St. Dominic. I mentioned St. Dominic today briefly, but the prayer of St. Dominic will be spoken out especially tomorrow with faith and prayer of St. Monica and St. Dominic. And then the tears of St. Monica and St. Dominic will be reflected on on Tuesday. Please, you're invited, of course, to, uh, I don't know if there's any slips, but uh, you're certainly invited to add your own intentions uh, the slips, if they're around, or at least spiritually, to our prayers, the prayers of the friars and all those participating, participating in the novena. Many of us share these burdens in our life, and we don't always feel that joy, and that's okay. Or maybe we know others without that joy, but to pray for them that they open their hearts, that we open our hearts to the encounter of love with Christ, that we know might know that fruit of joy that St. Dominic knew and that St. Monica discovered in her life and indeed, in eternal life. Let us then, given the Novena Mass, we'll conclude our homily today with a prayer of St. Monica. The little cards were in the Mass programs. We'll add these intentions to, to all of the ones already sent in. St. Monica, troubled wife and mother, many sorrows pierced your heart during your lifetime. Yet you never despaired or lost faith. With confidence, persistence, and profound faith, you pray daily for the conversion of your beloved husband, Patricius, and your beloved son, Augustine. Grant me that same fortitude, patience, and trust in the Lord 
Intercede for me, dear Saint Monica, for and grant me the grace to accept his will in all things, through Jesus Christ our Lord, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.